Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Okay. Good. <clears throat> good. Very good. So, so how far ahead are you in Dacian now? Um, a couple months. Oh, still? Yeah. Very good. Very, very good. Keep it going. Yeah. Get yeah. the get those pages going, flowing. Yeah. yeah the the one hurdle I have though is that like all of a of like chapter eight and chapter nine, it's kind of, they're it's kind of still in the sketch phase, and I gotta like get that going. But at mm. least at least it exists. Of course, yes. Yeah. Like yay, the end of the storyline. <laughs> yes, now you can get to the the other costume. Yeah, and I've been kind of uh, catching up on the E three coverage. Hmm. Which was interesting. Yes, Kitty Hawk was talking about that earlier. Yeah. Yes. I'm. Not, I don't have nothing against Microsoft, but I. I kind of saw their whole presentation, even even the one before E3, and I was like, Ugh. and then Sony basically buried them. Yeah, it's a uh, working really hard on these pages now. It's just because yeah. uh, now I got this new drawing tablet, so I have no excuse. Yeah. See, it's so nice. I wish I had one of those. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I mean, this one works just fine. It's just that the whole idea of seeing what you're drawing while you're drawing it—that's not such a problem for me. It's like the ability to pick it up and go somewhere else with it. If ah. I could lay down in bed and draw, that would alleviate so much problem. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, you know what. If I have extra money at the end of the year, let's see what I can do for you for a Christmas gift. Oh. No promises. Oh, well, yeah, okay. You don't you don't have to do that. You're my friend. Okay. I mean, I won't. I won't. That's that's my <laughs> one and only refusal. So. <laughs> yes. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Red Comic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Did you want to record an episode tonight? Yeah, I was thinking about like lost media in, in animation. Oh, Something lost like episodes? Yeah, lost episodes. Well, lost anything animation like lost movies stuff that may exist in a vault somewhere but nobody's releasing it the... stuff that stuff that is quote-unquote lost because there are like rights issues the uh the alternate cut at the end of land before time yeah and like stuff that only exists in uh, vhs quality because no one knows where the masters are <coughs> yeah so that basically that sort of thing okay yeah i got to thinking about it because we we were talking about it a little on the king kong episode how there's like still a scene that's missing yeah and and i was also thinking about it because 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 of bozo and also because of uh of the animal stories radio program that i posted that one episode of 
Which, by the way, after I did that, I, I found a guy who has, like, tons and tons of tapes of that, so he and I are, like, sharing shit now. Well, Neil, that's the one thing, is there has always been hoard For as long as there's been media, there has been hoarders. Yeah. Nothing is really lost. So now I have, like, uh, 120 episodes of the show, as opposed to one. Mm. Yes. You know, I never got the box set of Pinky and the Brain yet, have you? No, I have not. Hmm. I wonder how they handled the Samson episode. I don't know. Because in the Samson episode, they did an episode about the biblical Samson yeah. story. Yeah. And uh, I think they, the only reason the writers did this was because they had Pinky and the Brain and several of the other characters say Jawbone of an Ass. Oh, repeatedly. Yeah. Repeatedly. <laughs> Making the Fox censors cry. <laughs> well, it got through the first time, they, but they never showed it that way again. That's too bad. Because you know what they said? What? To make it go through the first time? What'd they say? That's that's what it is. It is the jawbone of an ass. Yeah, an ass as a donkey. Like I said, when I first heard that episode, I couldn't believe that. It, it wasn't like once or twice. It was like 18 times. <laughs> So I think they were pushing it. Yeah, they were. They were. They were definitely. Uh, you know. You know. They. It's. It's like they were. Uh, it's like they. They saw they could get away with it, so they tried to go straight to the limit versus try to be moderate with it. I mean, there's a chance it could be on the DVD unaltered. Because mm. sometimes they'll. They will. Uh, I don't. Well, I don't know if Warner Brothers have, have ever done this, but sometimes. Companies will take old cartoons like that and figure, well, our audience is going to be all adults anyway. The people actually remember the show, so let's just cater to them and put all the dirty jokes in, because that's that's what pretty much what they did with the with the uh, Ren and Stimpy box sets. Right. In fact, on the co- on the commentaries, you have all these guys making like perverted jokes and swearing, and like no one cut that out because they figure, well, kids aren't going to be watching this. The one thing though. It, I really, really do want to find is all those, sh- all those shorts, those segue shorts from the Bugs Bunny show because, because yeah. lots of these are extremely unique. I mean, they're they they actually do try to tell a story in between the cartoons. Yeah. And uh, and I'm looking at this list here, and it looks like uh, there were. Uh, well, it sounds like it. It sort of sounds like some of what you're talking about are like the, the compilation movies where. They really did do that. They they made like, uh, they made like in between segments in between the cartoons, and they to to for the purpose of telling a story. And I know those survived because they released them on DVD, like uh, a thousand and one rabbit tales. I, I know, but what I'm talking about is for specifically the Bugs Bunny show. Ah, okay. Where where you have Bugs dressed in the vaudeville outfit and. Uh, yeah. You know, on stage talking to it, talking to his uh, to his co-stars and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, there. You, I, I've seen like pictures of some of these stills, and I'm like, I've never seen this. Yeah. I've never seen a cartoon with this scene like this before. It's like I'm sending you a link, Neil. Yeah, it might still exist because there were. Oh, I'm trying to remember what it was for. I think I think ABC was doing like a doing like a, a movie. 
uh, show, and for some reason they had animated uh, animated scenes of like the characters from Wizard of Oz, as done by Chuck Jones. And some of those still exist, and they're on the DVD of uh, the DVD and the Blu-ray for uh, for uh, the Wizard of Oz. So I, then, I just I just sent you a couple examples. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, and there's a good chance that those may even exist in color. Oh, like the second one here does that exists in color. Right. And it looks like it looks like it still exists because these are pretty high quality pictures. So it looks like these were taken recently. I know, but I can't find a DVD set. Yeah, that's a shame because they should put those out. Yeah. Like I said, there there is like there is an untapped market for uh, for like unique animation, where it's just segments from old shows that are kind of forgotten because nowadays there's no reason to have that format anymore. So whenever they show Looney Tunes, they just they just air the Looney Tunes as they aired theatrically and don't really have the in between segments anymore. Right. Well, I can understand why you'd want to do that because you could show more Looney Tunes that way. But at the same yeah. time, this was done in the '60s. This isn't like done in the '80s, like uh, like the compilation movie shorts. These are these are high quality shorts. Yeah. These are yeah. These are pretty good. <clears throat> yeah. Like I said, I I look at this. I'm like I I've never seen these before. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that these still exist. Because it looks like somebody took a picture from the actual prints. Right. But where can we get them? I don't know. See, that that just annoys me whenever you can't. Because even if you can't put it on DVD, you should at least maybe think about putting it on uh, on like a video service, on online maybe. Well, like, I, like, like we were saying, you know, when, when people want to see Looney Tunes now, classic Looney Tunes, they don't care about how they comp them. In the in the sixties, seventies, or eighties, yeah. they they care about let's stuff as many of the Looney Tunes in <coughs> in thirty minutes. Yeah, which is fine because that's you know that's what the show is about. Right, but you yeah. still lose this. Yeah, and this I I can understand why you wouldn't want to put this in like a modern showing, a modern a modern time slot for Looney Tunes, but it should be available somewhere. Right. And, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff from the 60s and 70s is just tragically unavailable because it's before the age of DV or before the age of VHS. So no one at home was recording these things. Right. So, so it's just all gone or not available at the moment. We're not really sure what exists and what doesn't. Yeah, like I said, it's and you can actually see Chuck Jones's influence when you see the lineup when they're you know when they're doing the lineup at the end, mm-hmm. because because th- those are some really weird Looney Tunes choices in there with the regular staples, like the kangaroo. Yeah, I I, I mean that that that's that's just Chuck Jones being weird because the kangaroo was only in like a couple of cartoons. Yeah. Well, I think I read he was in. Maybe nine or ten cartoons. Really? Yeah. And you know how the other day you said that uh, Sylvester Jr. was in uh, was in maybe two or three. He was actually in eleven because I looked that up just to see. Really? He was, and I was like, oh man. And you want you want to know something else that's gonna hurt? It's all Chuck Jones. No, no. The uh, the the Tasmanian Devil. Yeah. Was only ever in five cartoons. And it, it doesn't seem that way, but I'm like, 
yeah, I really can't think of too many cartoons he was actually in. And one of them was in was with Daffy. Well, the thing is, the Tasmanian Devil was gold all five times. Yeah. While Sylvester Jr. was crap. He had his moments. I. He wasn't always funny. I mean, anything, I, I mean, anything with the kangaroo was crap. But like sometimes, sometimes they'd stick him in like a in like a fairy tales type story. Like there was one time where they did like they did a Goldilocks type story where Goldilocks was the mouse, and uh, and there was like. A, there was like an extra cat to be the mother. There was like the three cats instead of three bears. And that one was pretty funny. But otherwise, no, that character was kind of stupid. Well, mm. well, like I said, you could actually, you could, you could see, you know, Chuck Jones's own taste in that opening. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I like the original I, opening better, you know, where it's more like a, where they're, where Bugs and Death uh, are dressed more vaudeville. Than, yeah. Actually, that, I don't think that's Chuck Jones animating that. That looks more like a, either Frizz Freeling or or uh, Bob McKibbs, and I can never tell those two apart except for like. Are you sure? You sure it's not because it's '60s? I'm era. pretty. I'm pretty sure because I think is when it whenever it was like television animation, it was usually like Frizz doing it. I know, but it's uh, but uh, Chuck has his name on it. He does, but Chuck. See, Chuck had had a thing for like big eyes i don't know how to explain it right but it when when in the later years you really knew it was him whenever he did something right so so you don't think it was Chuck that did the opening i i really don't think so i think that was a little too uh clean no it was a little it was animated a little too generically to be uh chuck jones mm. i think yeah. i think it's his taste i think when he i think he picked a lineup of characters though I don't know. That seems like a Bob McKimson lineup. It was like the only one that was in there originally that was really a Chuck Jones pick was uh, was Wiley Coyote, like Foghorn and and Speedy Gonzalez and and Tweety and all those other guys. Those were either Frizz or Bob McKimson choices. You know who's noticeably absent in the lineup? Um, God, I should know. Porky. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I also think that they picked the ones that could stay in step with each other, mm. because you notice when they when they took when they took Speedy out and put uh, Sylvester Junior in there, Sylvester Junior does not actually stay in step very well. He's right. noticeably out of step. Right. And that aired like that so many times. I never noticed that until now. <laughs> I'm like, oh well, yeah, they did kind of add him. In the and the Roadrunners just kind of hopping. Yeah. The Roadrunner places uh, Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. I guess that, should, a, that should be a DVD extra somewhere. I can't find the Bugs Bunny show as a DVD anywhere. Yeah. Because like I said, when it originally aired, in primetime, I might add, there was, you know, Chuck Jones and then Fritz and, and, and those, all those guys – they made animated shorts to like segue between, mm-hmm. and some of those have uh, gotten wrecked over the years. Like uh, there was an episode of Toonheads that showed some of the the Roadrunner uh, extra scenes, and uh, some of those are really poor quality. Yeah. Although it looks like it looks like the video could be cleaned up, but I don't I don't know if the audio is salvageable. Yeah, I guess people just didn't realize that they were. Well, they they couldn't have known that like DVDs and DVRs were coming, but it's like 
how could you be so careless with history like that? I know. I, I, like I said, part of this is these are well done animated yeah. shorts. It's like I know. I know they're segue pieces, but that doesn't mean they should be discounted. Well, even if they were kind of crappy, which they're not, but if even if they were, I think you should still preserve them. I know. Well, another example is uh, is when the kids WB aired cartoons, they showed lots of segue segments where they badly digitally spliced together unrelated oh. cartoons. It, these were shit. Yeah. yeah these were know. absolute shit. They were really bad. They were like, was, was that done with Flash? I think some of them were. These were just bad. And uh, and it's still I remember one that for those would be lost. I I remember one did like a a duck amuck gag where they put Daffy's bill on uh, on uh, God damn it what's that what's that fucked up duck Pokemon it's uh, Psyduck yeah Psyduck yeah it's it's like I said it's <laughs> it would be a shame if those were lost but even though they suck it's a yeah it was originally just the Bugs Bunny show. And then, and then it was the Bugs Bunny Road Ro- Roadrunner show. Yeah. And then it was the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show. Yeah. And when I, when I was looking up the Saturday morning comic book ads to, put, to get pictures for the last show post, um, there was actually a separate show called the uh, the Sylvester and Tweety show, and that came before – in the time slot, it was on before the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. They actually had it, like, separated – you know, I gotta be honest. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of bled with Sylvester. I he's, mean, I, he's so, basically Daffy slowed down. I think Sylvester works best when he was mute in those two different uh, ones where he was uh, with Porky. Yeah, but those those are Chuck Jones. I know, but those were all. I mean, the the whole thing with the the mansion full of mice haunting. Yeah, the, that was a good one. There were two different ones. Yeah. There was one where there was one where. Uh, oh, there was the there was the alien one. No, there, there, there's two different ones with the mice. One where uh, one where Porky's like, I'm going to stay here an extra five days, and and Sylvester whacks him over the head and drives off. Yeah. With with his eyes looking crazed from not sleeping all night. Mm-hmm. And then the there's the other one where where Sylvester like mans up and destroys all the mice. Yeah, there's two there, but they're but they're that's the one thing is, is I like about the the era of Looney Tunes is is they could reapproach the same theme and do something completely different as the payoff. Because mm-hmm. like Marvin the Martian, how many how many different takes on Marvin the Martian were there? Hmm. Um, pretty sure every cartoon he was ever in was done by Chuck Jones. I know, but how many different takes were there? I mean, there was not uh, very many. Well, pretty well, much. Pretty much always a little nerdy guy in tennis shoes. Well, that's what I mean. I, I mean, how many different uh, how many different uh, payoffs were there? I don't know. I mean, I remember at least once against Bugs. Yeah. And of course, there's Duck Dodgers. Yeah. The one everyone knows. All right. So, do you have a list of all these lost cartoons? Um, well, I'm just going off of. Uh this website that's called lost media i got a bunch of links open and there's like a not really a master list but i have uh i have my own kind of short list to make up for anything they missed 
and banned episodes. We're counting banned episodes as yeah, well. Yeah, we're counting banned episodes simply because they're hard to get a hold of. Right. Yeah, okay. Anything, anything that exists currently in like VHS quality because no one will release the actual good version on DVD or Blu-ray. Angry Beavers. Yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. In At the least... Pokey and the Mon and the... Oh, there's three episodes of Pokemon. Yes. Uh, one thing that kind of jumped out at me was that uh, the Porygon episode, the one that gave... The Caesar episode? Yeah. Um, I just found out today that four kids actually dubbed it. It exists in a English format, and they never released it. Which is really odd because the Japanese animator, animators actually did fix the strobing effect. Really? In, in later Japanese re-airings, yes. Okay. Because oh, the last time I'd heard is that it never re-aired. But yeah, it looks like something it, in today's world of uh, digital editing could be easily fixed. Because what it is is a very specific strobing. And by the way, uh, you know, televisions in Japan run mm. at a higher frequency than televisions in America. Ah, it's it's very 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 subtle. You wouldn't know it unless someone told you that, and you like held the exact same TV show and two different TVs and look at the same time, mm-hmm. because the one in Japan in, in the Japanese that will come off the audio will come off as slightly higher pitched. Ah, it's sort it's sort of like playing a laser disc of a movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because a laser disc is like it has a little bit of compression in there. Yeah, it's sort of like that. I see. So. So that factored in with the strobing is what caused the seizures. Honestly, it, I, I would be very surprised if he could d- duplicate the seizure effect on an, on an American television set. I really would because I, I think that that the higher frequency of the of the Japanese set is what contributed to that. Yeah. But yeah, the the the, the Porygon seizure episode is was was outright never shown here. Yeah. There were a couple other episodes. I remember one specifically caused a major uh, plot hole in the show because uh, it was one where a character, I guess, kept pulling a gun on Ash. They're like, hmm, <laughs> can't show that. But it was also an episode where he got a bunch of, uh, God, I don't know the names of the Pokemons. I think it was like. Like the um, bull one? Yeah, the bull one. He got like a, I think he got like a whole herd of them. And then he unleashes them in the next episode. But it's like Ash has all these Pokemon now and it's like nobody saw where he got them. <laughs> well, there's also another one band that uh, well, it would actually initially aired. It's the one where the uh, the uh, squid Pokemon attack a city, mm-hmm. and uh, and this one was uh, never aired again because 9/11 happened, and all of a sudden yeah. we can we we can't have anything attack a city ever again in yeah. American television. I think it did air a few times because mm-hmm. it's it's in the opening actually of the first season. You see like one of the Pokemon like destroying a building and then that that scene never got shown again wow yeah and there was an episode of uh transformers robots in disguise that had a, a an episode like that where the the buildings they weren't being like destroyed or anything but i guess there was a there was like a gag where like there was i don't know they were like moving a building back and forth and it was it was supposed to be comedic but because 9-11 happened uh they deleted it 
Actually, this this brings me up to another. This never became a cartoon, but this was a pilot that was optioned to Nickelodeon. Yeah. Called Constant Pain. Yeah. It's it's an awesome pilot to watch, by the way. It's really well animated. The, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. And uh, because it showed an airship about to crash into a building. Yeah. In the pilot, but it's it's like awesome steampunk inventor adventure stuff. It's really awesome. Yeah. And Actually, there's one other episode of Pokemon that I know about. It's the one where uh, where James gets a boob job. <laughs> and it did air in the U.S., but it was very carefully edited. Yeah, they did and, not show that at all. Yeah. And I think it got taken out of the rotation again, but I don't know why. They made a big deal about showing that because they're like, it's the bad episode. We're yeah. finally showing it. And <laughs> anyone who knew it was a bad episode knew that scene. Yeah, well, well, they didn't call. They didn't say banned episode. They they wouldn't have. They said banned. lost episode. They did say lost episode. It was. But anyone who knew about the episode who, who would look it up would see, oh, it was banned for that, and then they turn on the TV wanting to see that, and then they see nothing. Yeah. Well, I think I think people had to know that that part would be taken out. <laughs> That's probably why I got deleted from the rotation is because people were like, oh. It's the boob job episode. And they were like, delete. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, and that's kind of a shame that uh, I, I I like four kids, but I also kind of despise them because they they of all the of all the anime uh, localization companies they seem to not care about uh, uh, publishing. Well, yeah, that they, they seem to not care about publishing stuff for completion's sake. Like any other company, uh, ADV, um, Manga, US Manga Corp, uh, they they would even if you couldn't air some of the episodes as they exist, it would all of it would be on the DVD. But then again, Pokemon was for little kids, and I can see why it wouldn't be on the DVD still. <laughs> Well, the thing is, there are a lot of grown-ups, you know, as with Power Rangers, for some reason, there are a lot of grown-ups <laughs> who watch Pokemon, and so I think there would be a market for, like, a grown-up version. Here's the one with all the boner jokes. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think Pokemon is it has more mature jokes than, than Power Rangers ever did. Yeah. <laughs> and really, I would be less ashamed to be seen watching Pokemon than Power Rangers. Ouch! <laughs> It's like, oh, you caught me watching Pokemon. I'm mildly embarrassed. You catch me watching Power Rangers, I'd be like, oh god, it was it was for research. I'm doing a podcast about it. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't follow this show. Uh, please don't tell people. I'm watching it for ironic humor. Yeah, like people take it seriously I was, and I laugh because of it. I was trying to record the Bulked Skull theme for a for a podcast. <laughs> I was trying to watch the the uh, the car wash episode to hear what uh, hear what our buddies at the DVD Pod Blast were talking about. Yeah, I I actually did watch that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you really yeah. don't see anything. Oh, yeah. well, I, I did. I did. Sp- nothing to talk about. I did spot Darren in the episode though. <laughs> like there he is. Like I like I said I. I I saw her recently. She's not anything to talk about. Oh, that's too bad. But uh, Jason Frank, what's his name? David Jason Frank. A lot of Ralph Bakshi stuff. Although a lot of it is just the studio 
being like, yeah, we're not going to release this, Ralph. Ralph Bakshin, I don't, I don't know how I feel about his stuff being banned. It's like... Well, he's got... I'm, all I'm saying is he's got a lot of unfinished stuff just because, you know, the studio got cold feet or something. Bobby's Girl by uh, Ralph Bakshin and John Kay. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't get very far. Actually, we I wouldn't even count that because that's like... That looks like it didn't even get started. It's like they have like preliminary stuff. It's like it doesn't. The actual cartoon doesn't really exist. So just kind of skip that. And of course, there's also all the uh, banned cartoons. Oh yeah, Speedy Gonzalez. Well, then again, they've released Speedy Gonzalez on DVD, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, so mm, that one's kind of iffy. I mean, some of these bands, ones I'm looking at this other list, are, are all just ones with blackface. <laughs> oh, here's one that should be banned. One beer. One beer. Oh, God. They put that on the DVD, right? Yeah, they finally decided to put that on the DVD. Okay, if that goes on the DVD, then the jawbone of an ass should also go on DVD. Yeah, but one beer is just offensive to, like, senses. Yeah. One beer should come with an apology before it airs, saying, we're sorry we did this. We're sorry. We're so, so sorry. We made better stuff after this, really. You should watch that instead. <laughs> and it's not just that episode. I mean, most episodes of Tiny Toons are just unwatchable. But this one, it's overly preachy, overly dramatic. And even in the end, it, they, they don't even take themselves seriously enough to do it. It's like... Yeah. I mean, when 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 we heard, oh, they they banned this, like, eh, historical preservation, blah, yada yada, but you know what? They're doing them a favor. <laughs> and then some, for some reason, people that like Tiny Toons kicked up a fit about it online until Warner Brothers says, oh, we're gonna put it in there again. It's like, really? This is the this is the one issue you want to like take up arms about mm-hmm. about one beer. One of the worst episodes Tiny Toons ever produced. That's a feat. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just wrong. There were so many other better things to fight about. Mm-hmm. Not one beer. Never one beer. I mean, I mean, we're lucky that most episodes of, of the cartoons we love aren't banned. I mean, there's... Not a single episode of Batman the Animated Series banned. No. Uh, there was one that was almost produced but never got to production. Yeah, which one was that again? Where Batman turns into a vampire. Oh, oh yeah. It was it was like this idea that Bruce Tim had. It mm. was. It, we don't know where where it was going to go with it, but uh, but yeah, he had this whole idea, and then, and then all of a sudden they. You know, this was the one time Bruce Tim wasn't able to bullshit around a censor <laughs> because 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 they outright said to his face, blood consumption is not allowed on television. They're like it has to be plasma. He's like, shit. <laughs> then I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. And then John Semper's like, plasma it is. Oh, can't, uh, suckers on his hand then. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to hand it to, to Bruce Tim. He made the right choice there. Yeah. I mean, what do you do when you face that situation? I don't know. You know, there was an episode of uh, 
of uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes that made fun of that. Because they wanted really? to do, yeah, they they did a vampire episode, but the network was like, they can't suck blood. And so in the episode, they explained that the censors wouldn't let them suck blood, so they they changed it into kissing. You had to kiss another person, turn them into a vampire. And they did blame it on the censors. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So that cartoon had its merits. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, even though it was animated kind of shitty. and Kind of? Yeah, really shitty. <laughs> it's time for intermission, boys and girls. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Are you looking for a weekly dose of gaming news and retro? And check out Off the Cuff, available Fridays on GeekCast Radio Network from the producers of XRG. New name, same Yes, that's right. We have traveled to Eternia to enter Castle Grayskull. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they find themselves telling tales of Eternia. We cover all things He-Man in this 45-episode-long podcast. You can find us on iTunes and www.geekassradio.com. By the power of Grayskull, we all have the power. And now, back to the show. So, some of the very earliest Lost cartoons are... uh are from the Disney catalog. Uh, he did a series of cartoon shorts called the Laughlets in the early twenties. And they're so lost that no one really seems to know what they were. Uh, there's only like a scant few documents that have the names of these cartoons, but no one knows what the, uh, what the characters were, what the synopsis was. It's, there's like nothing on these cartoons. Some of the Oswald cartoons are lost too. It's a real shame that, uh, those weren't preserved very well. But uh, like a lot of silent movies, silent films of that era, uh, they just didn't think it was marketable anymore, so nobody really took care of them. You know, And then there's the old cartoons that are lost only in the sense that uh, they're not politically sensitive, we'll say, and uh, they're not really palatable in today's market. These would be like your blackface jokes and your and your racial stereotypes and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. There's lots of World War II era cartoons that yeah, from people, all the studios that people try to forget happened, but I yeah. think they're kind of awesome to look at. Yeah. Well, there's uh, there are the the shorts that were made for the soldiers, and then there were the the shorts that were released to theaters that are just politically incorrect. Like, uh, I remember at least one where. Uh, where Bugs encounters a, a Japanese soldier, and he's really over the top, uh, stereotyped, and hero. Yeah, hero. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the. Uh, I know I, this is like jumping from Japanese to Chinese, but uh, there's there are the segments from like the old Tom and Jerry cartoons where he'd run into the bird bath and it would flip upside down on his head, 
and then it would do the doom, 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 and they, they would like that's deleted from so many uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons now, along with all the blackface gags. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, although I'm reasonably certain that those still exist on DVD. They do. Yeah. They just can't show them on TV because yeah, people Warner get Brothers upset. is pretty good about that. But yeah, it's a. Uh, Actually, there was one episode of uh, Warner Brothers did a cartoon series in World War II called Snafu. Yeah, that's the next thing I was going to bring up. There was one Snafu cartoon that that the arm that the military would not let them air until the war was over. What was that? What it was was it was about it was about the the title was like loose lips sink ships. Oh, oh yeah. Because what was was Snafu is the name of the private mm-hmm. is on leave and he is uh, and and he's like with his friends in a theater and he he's describing uh, what was thought back then as a ridiculous bomb mm-hmm. that could destroy a city mm-hmm. to, as ah as, as this... uh, now I see why they wouldn't let it go out yes yeah. It, <laughs> Because because it was basically the the animators going going hmm what's a ridiculous weapon we can't possibly have invented in World War in this war a ridiculous oversized bomb they'll never invent that that would destroy a whole city as one bomb yeah and <laughs> and the U S military is like they doing the doing the cutoff motion yeah across their yeah throat. it's like no 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 can't show it. so if you think about the the Warner Brothers animators knew before the press did. Yeah, they're like, ooh. <laughs> and those were animated by uh, was it Chuck Jones who did those? I don't think Chuck Jones did Snafu. Hmm. Who did know. Snafu? I don't know. Private I know, Snafu. I know who wrote those. It was Doctor Seuss. They, yes, you're right. Uh, okay. Chuck Jones was, did direct them, okay. as did Frizz and Bob Clampett. Yeah. Let's see here. And would not be the last time that uh, Chuck Jones worked with Dr. Seuss. No, it wouldn't, but uh, who animated these? Seems like it would, would have been Termite Terrace. It would have been Termite Terrace, but who out of them? Oh, oh uh, the directors. Um, well, it's Chuck Jones was a director, as was uh, Frizz and uh, Bob yeah. Clampett. Actually, also Frank Tashlin and uh, Osmond Evans, Zach Swartz, Hugh Harmon. I don't know those. I don't know Hugh Harmon. Do you? He's. I think he's uh, from early Warner Brothers. Uh, Harmon and Ising. I always thought that was like a pun. I, I that I was like that can't be their real names. Harmon Ising. <laughs> but oh, yeah, but... that's that's their actual names. But uh, <laughs> here's the best part. Uh, uh, Snafu was was commissioned by the army. The army went actually uh, uh, approached uh, had the character Snafu created mm-hmm. and approached uh, approached Disney first, saying, "Hey, do you want to make these cartoons called Snafu about Private Snafu?" Mm-hmm. And then Warner Bros. are about this. Hey, whatever you're paying them, we'll take one third of it, <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah. I was going to say, it couldn't have been that Disney refused it, because Disney uh, did a certain uh, Donald Duck cartoon, didn't they? Yes, they did. 
that they don't like to talk about. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Disney, how about Song of the South? That one is a shame to lose. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, how, now how many people know where Zippity Doodah came from? Not many people know that. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll use the song forever. It's almost the Disney theme song, for crying out loud. But the actual movie, they don't. They are so afraid of releasing that. It's not that. It's not a bad movie. And yeah, if, if you look it, at it in context, I mean, yeah, it's from it's like slave era characters, but Uncle Remus is not really portrayed poorly at all. And also, if you look at it, the you know you lose one of the only animated versions of Brer Rabbit. Yeah, and. I actually had to explain to Fess the Tar Baby story because he didn't understand it. Yeah. Because I tried to explain to him where the, the term, I don't want to wrestle with that Tar Baby came from because he thought it was a racist term. Yeah, there are some people who will just find offense in anything. I think that that's one of the biggest shame is is American culture is losing Br'er Rabbit over this shit. Yeah. Because Br'er Rabbit is one of those old American folk stories yeah. that's can't be retold because it's associated with songs of the south which is unfairly persecuted i mean i mean it's kind of funny because when i went to disney world when i was in the high school mm -hmm. they still had splash mountain yeah and what, what's the story going through splash mountain again it's rare rabbit, rabbit. <laughs> so it's not exactly like a a a problem it, it's because they it's all in there bro rabbits all in there mm -hmm. the the problem is uh is is just songs of the south they don't but because bro rabbit is associated with songs of the south they they won't even just show the just the bro rabbit cartoons yeah. and there was a time that they were sort of open to to that character because those characters showed up again in in who framed roger rabbit I think that part of that is Zemeckis insisted. The fact that they're there at all is just amazing. That's true, but like I said, it's. I, I think it would be a, a great shame for American culture for us to lose Bro Rabbit because yeah. of some overly PC people. Yeah. And because, like I said, I I, I have to explain the the Tar Baby reference, and people don't understand it. Yeah. Well, some people just seem to wallow in. Not understanding things. Well, I don't want to wrestle with that tar baby. Yeah. And to explain it just out loud once, the story is is one of the villains in Bro Rabbit, I believe it was the fox. Yeah. Molded a baby out of tar. So when Bro Rabbit passed by and the tar baby didn't respond to him saying hello, Bro Rabbit would fight him to because he didn't show him res the baby the baby didn't show him respect mm -hmm. but the more he fought the tar baby the more he got stuck in it mm -hmm. so the, the 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 phrase i don't want to wrestle with that tar baby means i don't want to wrestle with a situation i can't possibly get out of yeah there's nothing racist about it there's nothing derogatory in it i mean i mean you could rewrite it to where the baby's made out of honey mm -hmm. but then you then it might be an asian yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I don't know what. Maybe, maybe it's made of marshmallows. I don't know. The marshmallow baby. <laughs> I, the, I don't know. The, it, it would turn into the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man at some point. I know. It's 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 like it's ridiculous if you keep on having to change it to make an ethnicity okay with it. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a, this, this actually comes to a, a story that, uh, that I was on the, the beacon and, uh, and apparently, apparently some cartoonist got fired because he drew a depiction of, of Obama looking like a chimp. And I'm like, how many cartoons did that with George W. Bush? And that was okay. There was a whole meme about that. I know, well, and I'm like every uh, every any any George Bush did look like a chimp. And, and that's like so it's okay to say that about George W. Bush, but not okay to say that about Obama. It's like really. I prefer the one that makes Obama look like Bush personally. Racism, uh, it, it's when you create a double standard. That is a double standard. You're creating a protected class doing that. I'm, I'm surprised that no one really complains about Bad Albert, where like all the characters they they're very caricaturized black people and i think the only reason why no one really says anything is because it's bill cosby yeah you're allowed to do it if you're one of them well i don't i don't even think i don't even think it's that because i've seen situations where like like carlos mencia there are people who do not like carlos mencia because he quote unquote perpetuates uh stereotypes about uh about latinos latinos yeah but Bill Cosby is so untouchable that no one will complain about like uh, about the Cosby kids. Leonard and, Part Six. Okay, but you know even that people. Ghost have, Dad. People have pushed those movies so far to the periphery <laughs> that no one even talks about them. People kind of laugh about Leonard Part Six, but no one really digs it out and tries to watch it. Ghost. Dad. Yeah, I know. Ghost Dad, I think, is is a bigger shame than Leonard Part Six. <laughs> People have forgive have forgiven Leonard Part Six and kind of because you know, he they, accepted they just, the Golden Razzie. Yeah, for it. they're just like we're not even going to touch that. But Ghost Dad is just kind of yeah, that's that's his biggest shame. But anyway, God, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, as long as we're on the topic of the Cosby Kids, there is a lost Fat Albert cartoon, or it seems to be lost. And I think I heard that two of them exist, in fact. And no one's seen them for decades. They're, they don't have the filth of filmation on them or anything. They predate the filmation cartoons. And no one knows if they exist, where they are, who owns them, or how they can get them to get them on TV again. Well, that's, uh, that's a good point. Uh, there, there's, lots of, there's lots of things like that where it's tied up in rights hell. Like, uh, yeah. you know, Muppet, Muppet Babies can never be on on DVD. Yeah, although, hmm, I think most of the problem now are the songs, because I think some of those songs were licensed, but it seems like all of the footage that, or most of the footage that they were using were was from Lucasfilm. Which is now as, Disney. Which is now Disney, and Muppet Babies is also Disney. So it's like, everything's coming coming together that they could possibly release some form of it on DVD, but right. I don't know, but there is there is an example that that I was thinking of from around the same time period, which is uh, Saturday Supercade. And the problem with this show is that all the cartoons, I think all the cartoons have been released uh, over the years in some form or another. But the original show, the original format, uh, like as with Bugs Bunny, there were like in between segments, like as they were seg segueing from one cartoon to the next. You know, you'd have Hubert, you know, oh no, he's he's gonna fall to his doom, and who saves him but Donkey Kong? And to have those two characters on the screen at the same time, um, you you would have to have the rights from both uh, 
I guess it would be Konami. I don't know who owns Qbert and Nintendo. Nintendo. Yeah. And, and you might be thinking, well, what's wrong? You just said that like all these segments have been released since then. And my response is, yeah, but they've been released in separate packages. So you, you would only, you'd get the Donkey Kong cartoon and it would only be the Donkey Kong cartoon. But, and to, and to show it along with the other cartoons would, would require some other rights wrangling. So it's like very difficult to get this back into the format that it was on the air originally. And I guess they've come a long way since then. They're almost there. They want to, re- I don't know who, I, I want to say it's like the people who put out like the, the, the Zelda and the Super Mario Brothers cartoon DVDs. I don't remember who that but, is. But. but those compilations suck. Yeah, they do suck, but it's... it's I, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's nothing but the Mario cartoons. It's like, they don't even show much of the Captain Lou segments. Actually, they do. The DVDs have preserved all of that stuff. Really? Yep. I've seen the collection where it's like just the cartoons and like five minutes of a Captain Lou segment. Uh, that's how long those were. Those I, those Captain Lou segments were literally five minutes. I always imagined they were longer. Nope. Wow. But, yeah, and like I was like I was saying, uh, Saturday Supercade, uh, they're almost there. But I think I think the thing that's tripping them up is uh, uh, the Space Ace episodes. For some reason, that's that's a problem. But you you actually can see one one episode online uh, because the guys at Retroware TV. Uh, did a commentary on one of them, and you could actually go and watch and see all the segments I just talked about, the in-between segments, and they left all the commercial breaks in too, so that's kind of cool. You can see some of those awesome '80s commercials. Yeah, that's that's another thing is that you have animation for for like maybe commercials. You make new unique animation for those, and then those those unique parts that got made end up getting forgotten, like. The one I always think of is like the old Transformers commercials, where almost every commercial had unique animation. It was and it was always Toei's movie department that did it. And especially when you got up to like the third or fourth uh, series of uh, of toys, like 86, 80, 87, the animation was really good. And some of it, some of it survives because they used it in the season four uh, opening, but some of it doesn't. And I don't know if if Hasbro still has it, and if they do, they're sitting on a gold mine, and they should put all that shit on DVD. Just it doesn't even have to have the original audio. If you just take all of that animation and just put it in like a string, you know, so that it runs like maybe 30 minutes, because I'm sure there's that much animation uh, that people would buy that. Well, not many people want to watch old commercials, but I do. I mean, yeah. I love those. I love those late '80s, early '90s Pepsi Attack ads. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, you should. They should put them on Hulu. It's like here, here's a block of old shitty commercials. Watch them <laughs> because there, there is like a smaller market for that, but the market does exist, and people will just sit there for hours and binge on yeah, old I- '80s commercials. Well, I go on YouTube and sometimes do like 10, 15 minutes of 80s commercials. Yeah. Because some of them are hilarious. Yeah, and the old serial commercials, those, oh my god. Although I think, I, I I don't know if they've been released on DVD, but some of them are, are suspiciously high quality on, on YouTube. So it's like, hmm, somebody got got their hands, either got their hands on a DVD set that I don't know about. Or, or a master. Or someone leaked a master because... Uh, 
I've seen a lot of high quality versions of uh, of old Cocoa Puffs commercials. Oh yeah, well, well, uh, one thing that always bugged me about those Cookie Crisp commercials, and I, by the way, I never grew up eating Cookie Crisp because my mom looked at the box and said, "You're not having dessert for breakfast, Ben." <laughs> But if you remember in the original commercials in the like early nineties, yeah, with Cookie Crisp, it's like the, the main character in on the box, and then the commercials like was like this uh, cop and a robber, yeah, and the robber had a dog, yeah, that that does Cookie Crisp. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I I almost want to say that the dog comes later, or no, 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 no. Or the at dog's... the very least, the the dog was very de-emphasized in the earlier. Chronicles. Yeah, the dog was de-emphasized because it was all about the cop and the robber, and yeah. the, the dog was the robber's sidekick while the yeah. robber's always captured. And then the and dog the... became the mascot after a while. And the dog was original. And all that all they did was originally was, was when they brought Chip the dog back mm-hmm. was you know the, the the cop and the robber's gone. And and it's just the dog going cookie crisp, and then they redesigned to look more like a wolf. Yeah, that that was the fucked up one. <laughs> and uh, wow, we're talking about the uh, lunchbox mascots. <laughs> I mean, uh, cereal. Well, one thing I, re- I I do know about cereal is uh, is it's like once a year they bring back Frankenberry around where I live. Yeah. Because like most of the year you can't get Frankenberry, and then like like. I think it was in October they bring back Frankenberry. Oh, see, it used it used to be that Count Chocula and Frankenberry would be available all year round, and then it would be Booberry that that would be gone until October. But yeah, it's kind of sad to see that Frankenberry has slipped into obscurity. And, and oh, Booberry also comes back. Yeah. In October. But no it's... fruity yummy mummy. Who? <laughs> and no fruit brute. Who? Fruit brute. Fruit Brute is the is the lost uh, monster cereal. It's I think the last time it was available was sometime in the late seventies, and uh, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino likes to put a box of Fruit Brute in all of his movies. So if you look carefully, you can find it. Really, really, it's it's basically uh, Fruit Brute was the Wolfman. Hmm. How did those cereals do when they originally came out? Uh, I I don't know. Because because it seems like only Count Chocula had the staying power. Yeah. Everyone else faded away. That's that's too bad. And uh, there was the uh, Rice Krispie Elves. Yeah, they're still around. It's just that didn't they like extremize, modernize them? Yeah, as soon as Dawes Butler and uh, Don Messick died, then they completely changed the voices. Damn. Yeah. Well, at least the Keebler elves are still around. Yeah, with they more or less the those. same voice. Yeah, they aren't changing those guys around. Yeah, and the Quick Bunny still sounds like the Quick Bunny. Yes. Donatello. Yes. Well, <laughs> one funny thing is there's actually a Chinese restaurant around where I live where they have a dessert bar, and mm-hmm. instead of a Rice Krispie treat, yeah, they have a. Uh, what was it? They uh, they have like a fruity pebbles treat made with the same process. Oh man! It's like it, it's it's it, it's like eating fiberglass. It's so sharp and oh, pointy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would not recommend the I would not recommend the experience. Yeah. 
I think it was Carl's Jr. that had a uh, that had a Captain Crunch shake, and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> God, that would be like that would be like having broken glass and a milkshake. It's like, wow, that was so good, but the roof of my mouth is torn to shit. Oh my goodness. And speaking of lost cartoons, there were a ton of, uh, of, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, Tony the Tiger cartoons, like commercials, but they were like a full cartoon affair Mm -hmm. way back when, like uh, still black and white, but there were like a ton of them. There were, there were storylines and everything. There was more, it was more than just Tony the Tiger. There was like a giraffe and a, and a hippo and. Yeah, like of all of those early Kellogg's mascots, he was the only one who stayed. Because they're they're Rice Krispies and I think Fruit Loops. Oh, then again, I think I think uh, Toucan Sam might have been there from the beginning. But a lot of the other cereals also had like unique mascots that are gone. There was like a seal, I think, and I don't know. It wasn't wasn't there wasn't there like a like a Tony Junior. I remember there was like a junior version of Tony the Tiger, and I think he was sometimes the mascot of Rice Krispies, I think. No, the, no, it's, the it's Kellogg's Corn Flakes. Oh, okay. Rice, Rice Krispies was the elves. Okay. Because Corn Flakes were invented by, uh, by a guy named Kellogg that uh, lived in uh, Battle Creek, Michigan. And he was a psycho. Yes, he was. He de- he decided the best way to keep people healthy was to make them eat nothing but vegetables and give them yogurt enemas. Yeah, he was uh he was a colon cleanser. <laughs> His brother stole the right, the uh the cornflakes recipe from him and in Kellogg didn't mind that fact. The thing that Kellogg mind, you know, what made them not speak until they died was the fact that his brother added brown sugar to the recipe to make them palatable. To make them delicious. <laughs> because you know what cornflakes are as 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 Kellogg originally formulated them? What? Mashed up corn spread on a sheet. Oh. Dried and and chipped into flakes. Ooh. Cornflakes in the most literal sense. Yes. See here it, it is, is uh Tony Jr. on the box of cereal cereal that's called frosted rice which i assume is frosted rice krispies yes which i'm not sure if they make that anymore i don't know there was like there was like a huge influx of anti-sugary cereals yeah. in like the late 90s yeah like when uh sugar crisp became super golden crisp and yeah sugar smacks became honey smacks yeah yeah anything that explicitly advertised sugar was slowly phased out <laughs> i wonder how cookie crisp survived i don't know because it literally is like like chocolate chip cookies in a, in a, in a cereal bowl <laughs> like, how do you get away with that <laughs> i don't know i used to know a kid whose mom would like give him like a handful of uh, cookie crisp like as a snack like here you go little cookies and she'd give me like a handful and i'd be like these are cookies <laughs> these are cereal what are you trying to what are you trying to pass on me here <laughs> where's the chips ahoy the chewy chips ahoy 
Well, yeah, the regular was good, too. Did they have Chewy when you were a kid? Yes, they did. They had Chewy Chips Ahoy. I remember when that was new. It was like a revelation. It's like, Chips Ahoy can be chewy. <laughs> and I, I took a bite out of it. I was like, wow, it's it's almost like eating uh, cookie dough. And then I just <laughs> gobbled it down more. <laughs> well, isn't this an interesting segue we're going to keep in the show, by the way? Yeah, well, we have to. Because <laughs> it's too funny to cut out. Yeah, it's uh, th- those are my serial memories. Yeah. Yeah, all I got to enjoy when I was a kid was uh, Cheerios. And regular cornflakes. Mm. Not frosted cornflakes, regular cornflakes. I would take the Cheerios. I, I don't understand the appeal of cornflakes at all, but Cheerios could can be good. Honey nut Cheerios. Well, that's good too, but regu- I, I kind of like regular Cheerios. Mm. It's like these are these are deceptively delicious. <laughs> Not unlike that terrible kick cereal that lies to you. Well, it's like kids love it. No, they don't. <laughs> It's like oh. the bland version of tricks. Oh, when I was uh, when I was young, watching Saturday morning commercials with the cartoons, I remember mm-hmm. there was like one commercial for oatmeal mm-hmm. that had a sp- that they they were advertising the hell out of this like fruit spread that you could like draw things on top of the oatmeal with. Yeah, and yeah. I never had oatmeal in my life, and I wanted that because that looked so fun. Oh my god. And then I had the oatmeal. I'm like, no, th- this is over. Th- th- yeah. This experiment has ended. Yeah. <laughs> because oatmeal is not a good flavor. No, it really isn't. It's like if you want oatmeal, uh, Little Debbie snack cakes, pretty much as much oatmeal as I'll consume. <laughs> Little Debbie Swiss roll cakes. Yeah, those are good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh oh my goodness, we should actually go back later and do an episode on just uh serial cartoons. Oh yeah, because some of them were uh, not only you mentioned that the you mentioned that that they had storylines back then. That's because the commercials that could actually be longer back then. It, right. They're noticeably longer back in the day. It's, you could you could have like a whole setup. Nowadays, it's like you have to you have to like whiz through all of the, all of the talking points. You gotta talk about how it's a it's part of a balanced breakfast and make all the parents groups happy with this that and the other thing. And well, what I love is they always show up when they say part of a balanced breakfast. They always show like a picture of the the cereal yeah. with like half a grapefruit, yeah, a, a glass of orange juice and, and, and some and some whole wheat toast. Yeah, a glass of like, or, a glass of orange juice and a glass of milk. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I'm looking at this and like no kid would have that breakfast. No. No, they like wouldn't. with the half a grapefruit there and, and, and the whole wheat toast. It's like, no. <laughs> there was a Calvin and Hobbes strip that made fun of that where they flipped over the box of uh, uh, Choco Sugar Bombs or whatever the hell it was called. And Hobbes made, made a comment about how it shows how it shows the, the cereal with a picture of like uh, four grapefruits and like three glasses of orange juice or something. <laughs> balanced <laughs> and really the the serving size also has to be like 
rather dinky. It's like a serving size that no one actually consumes. I, I know these the serving sizes listed on most food facts are way are like I, I would I would say they're 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 down to uh, one half to uh, one third of what a real serving is. Yeah, it's like half a cup or something. It's like if you actually pour out what the serving size is and pour it into a bowl, you'll be just like oh, no, and then you'll <laughs> pour a little more in from the box. <laughs> well, another good example of this is my sister read an article on, on one of these health things saying saying the size of a steak that you can eat should it can be no bigger than your hand mm-hmm. i'm like bull crap uh you, you, and i i said there you know where they get this statistic right <laughs> they they like measure the the caloric intake of like a, a large sample group and then they and then they divide and round yeah and that's the same. That's the same way Michelle Obama came up with this five thousand calorie count lunch for school lunches that leave people starving. <laughs> well, but anyway, because you know what the old measurement for obesity is? It, the measurement for obesity is like one hundred fifty years old. Yeah. According to that measurement of obesity, uh, uh, Christian Bale is obesely overweight. Yeah, you have to be weigh a hundred. A man, a six foot tall man, has to weigh 150 pounds to be in the in the healthy limit in that old measurement. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has to be the weight of a woman. Yes, a woman has to be 90 pounds. Yeah, that's that's just not realistic. Yeah, it's like it's like th- 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 these are measurements back when food was scarce and there were in in. And there were supply problems, and people had to farm their own food and work all day. Mm-hmm. We don't have that problem anymore. Stop doing that. Back to uh, lost cartoons. There are a lot of banned cartoons that you can still get just because the 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 rights holders chose to release it on DVD, and so there are high quality versions of insensitive cartoons out there. But then there's stuff like there's stuff like the the pilot episode of uh, of uh, Cow and Chicken that maybe aired once or twice and is never to be seen again because it's a smoking episode or, or <laughs> like, uh, you know, weird segments on, on Sesame street or, or, you know, like, um, you know, like, like there's a wild thornberries episode episode. I, I know I, we don't really like wild thornberries, but the pilot no, episode, the pilot episode, uh, I guess it aired twice. And then for some reason, no one really knows why, but it like, it got, pretty much got deleted from the from the airing package and it didn't even get released on the dvds and like people actually forgot about it it kind of slipped into obscurity and then someone who happened to get a get a a recording of it put it on youtube and that's how attention came to it again so it's it's very strange when you have stuff like this that just kind of like disappears from television and then it never comes back yeah it's uh it really is strange it's uh there was an episode of Powerpuff Girls about a communist imp yeah. that tricks the girls, and uh, yeah. and I don't see what the problem is with banning this. Ep- why they even banned this episode? Because it's not it's not like this is the first time Powerpuff Girls went into like doing a, a story like this. Yeah, because there was also uh, Equal Fights, which was basically the same idea. It's basically 
I guess this one was a little more overt. It was it was blatantly political, and so Cartoon Network got cold feet. But it's a shame it never. I guess it never aired. Did it? Does any has a copy of it ever been shown? Yes. Because I I think I've seen some footage of it. Yes, I, I've I've seen it on the YouTube's. Ah, good old YouTube. But the. Uh... You know, there was also an episode of Dexter's Lab where they, uh, where Dexter and Dee Dee were cursing. Yeah, and that was funny because that aired recently, and I I remember coming in the middle of it, and I it it was it was just a, a total mindfuck because I'm like, what is this? It's it's definitely the style of Dexter's Laboratory. Classic Dexter. Yeah, classic Dexter. But I've never seen this episode before. This seems just a little too racy to be to have been done in the old days. I'm like, wh- when was this made? Wh- what happened? <laughs> and I guess somehow it's it's kind of like Man's Best Friend, the the lost, uh, well not lost anymore, uh, Ren and Stimpy episode, where they made it an episode that the network really didn't want to air, but for some reason they let them make it anyway. And then after it was made, they went, no, we're not going to air this. That happens more often than some people think. I guess it does. Should we bring up the Land Before Time? Yes, yes, yeah. the the unaired cut. The the unreleased cut. The this is this is a really tragic one because the the first Land Before Time movie is a really good movie. There is one song in it, but none of the characters sing it. It's it's like a studio singer, so it's good. And Unfortunately, there's a there's a huge chunk at the end uh, with the Tyrannosaurus that's cut out because it was too scary. And this this is another thing that just gets to me is like stuff being cut because it's scary. And it's a shame that this movie is now incomplete. I guess I've heard rumors that there are like VHS copies in foreign markets that have the missing footage, but I've I don't I've never seen any confirmation of this. If it yeah. was, someone would have put it on YouTube by now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this Lost Media Wiki that I'm looking at, they have like a version of it, but it's like taken from stills and and uh, surviving cell paintings and stuff like that. There's really, well, actually, no, they have they have like some VHS quality footage in there, but it's like very brief scenes. So it looks like it looks like there may have been a longer cut at one point. And scenes from that still survive, but, like, the full scene is lost. All right. Actually, a lot of this talk of lost the cartoons, you know, reminds me of uh, – and, and this is a point of why some of these cartoons are still found and some of the quality is still okay. You know, Doctor Who. Yeah. Lots of the really, really old Doctor Who segments are lost because back way back when, the BBC didn't archive tapes. Yeah. They taped over them. Yeah. And uh, and it turns out that there are lots of people around the world that that for some reason back then before VCRs hooked up a film projector recorder to their television somehow. Well, the way I understand it is that it was like it was like kinescope versions where yeah the, the studio would actually do that because there are some there's some like old. Uh, WGN, WGN footage that's like that, like uh, old no, 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 these are these are private people that do that. Okay, do too. Okay. And 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 these people have to come forward and give like pieces of like five minute segments of doc of early Doctor Who's and and 
it's actually really interesting that some people like restore it and and like put animated segments in between them and it's 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 kind of fascinating but at the same time a little weird to watch yeah. at the same time because it's it's obviously not how it originally aired because back then they had very television style shots with with balanced angles and all that and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have all these dynamic shots done like a comic book and stuff and it's like it's like yeah, I see what you're trying to do but you're not being faithful to how it it'd be like it'd be like what you're saying about the uh the the don bluth land before time original cut and someone gets all these stills and then all of a sudden decides to like uh elaborate Mm -hmm. and and do their own animation of it and it's like nowhere near what what bluth intended it's like this you have good intentions but you're ruining it (laughs) you know what i mean yeah that's real that's really how i see it it's like Okay, good job. You're, you're, but at the same time, it's like, no, it's not right. Yeah. You know, another thing, uh, I'm going to jump off of uh, animation here for a little bit because uh, Sesame Street has a, has a couple missing seg- or a couple missing artifacts, I should say. One being an entire episode, or at least one episode that I know of that's missing, is the one where the Wicked Witch of the West comes to Sesame Street. And apparently this terrified a lot of kids, and so they took it out of the rotation, and it only aired once, and no one's seen it since. And there's, like, one grainy picture from it. Wow. Yeah. That's sad. I hope that someone preserved it, but it's it's never been seen. Um, and another one, an actual piece of animation from Sesame Street is uh, the Crack Monster. Or the Crack Master, I should say. It's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I kept misreading that. It's uh, what it looks like is it. It doesn't have like a, a a synopsis here, but what it looks like is uh, you know, a pareidolia is where you look at something and it, and even though it's a random shape, you kind of assign uh, it, with your mind, you kind of assign a shape to it that look makes it look like something. Right. It's kind of like people look at clouds and you know you see shapes in clouds. It's the same thing, and it. it I think that's what it is. It's it's like a a crack on maybe a a wall or something and people see shapes in it. And that's what it looks like. And apparently this freaked out a lot of kids. Like there's a, there's like a scary picture or an artistic rendering of what the cartoon kind of looked like. There's no footage of it yet, but apparently it survives because someone's seen it recently and they're going to, someone says that they are going to re-release it. So uh, I'm kind of excited to see it see what all the fuss is about because i like i like things that are so scary that like people back in the day thought you know the kids couldn't handle it and then you watch it it's like nothing special it's like all the it's like all the missing footage from king kong it's like there was so many like scary scenes in king kong where he's chomping on the villagers and and grinding them in the in the dirt with his foot and then you watch it and it's like i mean it's they're good scenes but yeah like it's nothing special yeah, and look at this Crackmaster thing, and yeah, it's. Uh, I think, I think this isn't too bad. It's like, yeah. like what you're saying about you know looking at clouds and seeing shapes, and yeah. like you know look at clouds from both yeah. sides now. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think that's what it's about because they don't really have a synopsis here. But well, the other reason I want to I want to see it is because it's like weird old '70s animation. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I like old '70s animation. I like a lot of the old '70s animation that Sesame Street showed up until the '90s, like the uh, like there's like a uh, 
a uh, pinball one. Oh, the pinball one is classic. I know, and it's really weird, psychedelic, and really fluid in animation. It's mm-hmm. it's really hard to describe, but it's awesome. You know what? Uh, there, one of the biggest tragedies I think is uh, the archive of of the original archive of uh, of uh, Beavis and Butthead, because that's one where someone someone burned their home down because. Or someone burned their home down and then blamed it on Beavis and Butthead because Beavis was a pyromaniac and he always burned you know, said, stuff. Yeah, he said fire, fire, and would burn stuff. So what what MTV did was they they went to the master tapes and they they cut all that stuff out. Like this was back in the day when you you would take a razor to a magnetic strip of tape and cut that shit out and then wow. and then tape it back together. So they they butchered the master tapes, and now the only versions that exist of those anymore are the censored versions. Except for a couple of few brave people with VHS tapes. Yeah, there's, and it again, it looks like it looks like the sort of thing that could be repaired just because, uh, you know, we live in the age of digital editing, and it's not like it's not like that animation was so complex that you would have to recreate a lot of frames. It's like a lot of it is just them standing still. So right. you would just repeat frames that exist and put the audio back in, and it yeah. seems it seems like you could repair that with enough uh, patience. That is but. true, but uh, but yeah, it, it seems like nowadays it's harder and harder for cartoons to be lost because if if it shows up even just once, someone has someone made a digital copy of it already. Yeah, now we live in the days of DVRs and. It's like even even today, if some of these lost cartoons were to get aired just once, it would exist forever because someone will record it and they'll put it on YouTube, or they'll put it or they'll host the videos on their own site or something, and it it will never die. But this some of this old stuff that still exists, it's got to get released so that can happen. Of right. course, that's the reason. That's one of the reasons why they're hesitant about doing that because once it's out there, they lose their control over it which is a shame it's a shame yeah. that that's one of the reasons that they clamp down on that right <laughs> oh i i have the 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 episode of snafu called going home where they show the impossible secret bomb <laughs> the impossible secret bomb yes it's hilarious this was a Chuck Jones. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny that, that they made this, they finished it, and, you know, consequently, Chuck Jones was the first one yeah. outside the Manhattan Project to know that the nuclear bomb, <laughs> the atomic <laughs> bomb exists. Oh, man. Can you believe it? That's amazing. Actually, I learned about this from an episode of Toon Heads. Mm-hmm. Heads was a great show. I know, and they had lots of these lost cartoons. I mean, they found a lot of them. Okay, well, I think this covers our look at lost cartoons. And lots of stories of cereal. You know, lost cartoons. Uh, this is a passion of mine just because it's like this frontier for those of us who enjoy sitting on our asses, uh, discovering lost gems that may exist in our own VHS collections of things that we recorded off of broadcast TV. And and not everything that's lost will be found, 
but some of it will, and that's what makes it exciting. I almost want to hear what Abby says when she listens to the Teen Titans episode, hearing Fest say that Teen Titans came out just when Japan animation was getting big. <laughs> I just want to hear her reaction to that. Like, what? wait, what to the what now? <laughs> that he actually just used that word. <laughs> or thinks that, that the early aughts was when anime was getting big. Yeah. Hello, Dragon Ball. Yeah. I I really miss the early '90s era of anime. I don't I don't miss anime being in the porn aisle, of course, but I I really liked the way it was back then, where it was like I don't like not not the fact that it was like more of niche more of a niche market, but that it was trying to be it was trying to reach out to uh, it was trying to be sci-fi and it was trying and, to be sci-fi without being trying to be sci-fi without being like explicitly Japanese. It was like trying to market itself as as animation entertainment for people who are more into adult stuff. That's how it was marketed back then. And now it's gone right back to being a niche market. It's like Japanese animation. It's like, eh, I don't I don't like it when it's marketed like that. Yep. Yeah, it's and part of it is is, you know, it's all Japanese centric with ninjas and yeah. shit. Yeah, it's not it's not just that it's that it's the caring about Japanese uh, uh, culture in cartoons where it's really not necessary to keep, to preserve that. Like right. Macross. Like, it's like, I need to, you know, you need to know what Chan means and Kun yeah. and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Senpai and Sensei and, and yeah. it's, it's that super literal minded approach to translation where it's like, Hmm, what's a good English word for senpai? And it's th- totally the wrong way to approach it. It's like, no, you should be looking at it in a con- in a contextual way and saying, hmm, how can I how can I direct these actors to portray the sort of relationship this is? It's like, it's it's like when you have two characters together, you have, you have to look at see the phrase they're saying versus see the words and translate the words. Yeah, it's like I can understand where Big Brother comes from because it is. Because senpai is kind of like elder, it's kind of it's sort of like Big Brotherish, but it's it's like it's, 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 it sounds it's like stupid. Upper, it's like on it's it's like you're honoring someone who is a class above you. Yeah, but it sounds stupid when you say Big Brother. <laughs> well, sir could work yeah. in a in a pinch. Yeah, it can work in a pinch. Except it's senpai can be a little bit more uh, endearing than mm-hmm. sir. It's it's a uh, it's, it's like weird. We, we don't really have a word that kind of fits in there. And we really, really shouldn't be looking for a word that fits in there. We can, we can, we can bring that context out in a different way. And that's, it's like the only gripe I have about the about the ADV dub of Macross. It's like everything else is fine. Fucking senpai. It's like nobody knows what that means anyway. So why why do you even leave it in? If if you're making this for new audiences, why are you preaching to the converted? Exactly. Exactly. It's like it's like. Uh... 
it's like you have to have one of those converted bring someone in and say, okay, this, this is the this is the primer course you need on Japanese culture before you watch this cartoon. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fuck you, I don't want, I don't need fucking homework to watch a cartoon. Yeah, and it's like the the ones that always make me laugh are like the the animego animego dubs where they they leave in a lot of the Japanese culture jokes and they 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 insert subtitles to explain what the jokes are. I like, saw one of those. Like one of the one of the Urusei Yatsura movies has a reference to uh like kids who know war or something like that and it's like I think it's like a song in Japan but like nobody in America knows what that is so they put up like a subtitle explaining <clears throat> what the joke is. I'm like why did you have that joke in there to begin with? It's like you could have you could have put some other joke in there. Well, it's like uh, it's like when I was explaining to you the Japanese folklore story of the rabbit in the moon. Yeah. And you go, oh, that's that Dragon Ball did a joke about that. I just yeah. now got it. Yeah. And it's funny, like since you since you explained that to me, it's like so many other things now make sense. Like there's a there's a game called uh, Parodius for the Super Nintendo, and there's there's a level that takes place on the moon, and there are rabbits everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. So all of a sudden it's like, boom. Yeah. And but the thing is, you you didn't need to uh, to you didn't need to uh, to know that joke to you know enjoy that game. Right. It just. I kind of like I kind of like the out of context stuff in games like that where it's just like so off the wall Japanese and nonsensical that it's 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 funny in its own little way. Yeah. But wasn't there a wasn't there a Bugs Bunny cartoon where he went to the moon? Yes. That's probably like a hilarious uh, cartoon in Japan. Actually, that has the reference that the Japanese would not get. Really? Because Bugs passes a wall that says Kilroy was here. Oh yeah. But they would be like, Bugs is on the moon. Yeah. Kilroy is here. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> talk about talk about jokes that no one would get. Like, even today, I, people, people like... I, they, I know, but they, I, they I just... They need tune heads to understand that joke. I know, but I just thought that it was so funny that here's here's Bugs on the moon, mm-hmm. and if the Japanese get it, watch it, they'll think that we get the rabbit on the moon joke, but then yeah. here's Kilroy was here, and they'll, they'll be like, w- w- what's this? <laughs> and, and, and we're like revenge <laughs> right Here, here's an American joke that you won't understand <laughs> as that long reminds as you... me there was, a, there was a character in uh, Pokemon that uh, that doesn't really translate to, to the American dub at all so they don't even try it's Wobbuffet and what that what that character is a reference to is like some Japanese uh, some Japanese comedian. It, he had this shtick that was sort of analogous to like Roddy Dangerfield, where like someone would make some disparaging remark about him, and he would put his hand to his forehead and say, "So it seems," or something like that. And that's what Wabafet is saying. Like every time uh, Jesse would would say something disheartening, like like you know that little brat ash you know got ahead of us or something like that wabafet would say so it seems and put his arm to his head (laughs) so that's what that's what that that's what that character exists for it's to it's to kind of rub salt in the wounds every time something bad happens to team rocket 
but like that context is completely lost on the American Wabba version. Fett. Yeah, where he's just saying Wabba Fett for no reason. <laughs> so Wabba Fett means so it seems. Well, no, I Wabba Fett is it's that that name doesn't mean Wabba anything. Fett. Yeah, that Wabba Fett. Mean, where? <laughs> that name doesn't mean anything, as far as I know. Uh, I thought you'd get that joke. Yeah, I got it. Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, we're contractually obligated to show th- to show this guy's life. That's what we get for selling the most toys. Thanks, fanboys. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad Seth Green actually set wrote that. Yeah. He, he's actually calling them out. Yeah. And in one of my nerdier moments, I inserted a Wabba Fett joke into two pages of crossover lord where i have i have mind mistress going so it seems and putting her head her hand to her forehead i'm like no one is going to get this i barely get this why am i putting this in here oh well well now you had to draw a rabbit on the moon with staring at science says kilroy was here <laughs> see how many minds you can blow at once is he referencing the Chuck Jones cartoon, or is he referencing the Rabbit in the Moon? Is he referencing Kilroy was here? <laughs> For any adventures on the moon, I'll do that. Is he referencing any of this? Is he referencing this? Is he referencing that? And they're asking you which one you're referencing, and you just say, yes. Are there any webcomic rabbit characters that aren't furries? No. Oh, damn it. Oh, uh, I sort of got Fest to admit that David Willis was an idiot. Well, that's as good as it's going to get to sort of get him to admit it, because he'll never explicitly admit it. Well, well, all I did was point out that David Willis draws a comic strip, right? Mm-hmm. A comic strip is a visual medium, right? Right. And when David Willis has two talking heads talking about Daddy Warbucks throwing Hitler into the sun, yeah. Would it be better to ha- draw like a picture of Daddy Warbucks throwing Hitler into the sun as a visual joke, or have two people talking about it? <laughs> now, as a cartoonist, which is the right answer? It would be better to actually draw the action. And what does what do you think David Willis did? He drew it off stage. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I pointed that out. Actually, I pointed out how his how he did this one. Uh, strip on the Muppets Yeah, where he literally just drew one panel and he just repeated the panel for yeah and all he did was just was just uh, go into Photoshop and change Kermit's mouth flap so he resorted to 60s Hanna-Barbera yes. to do a comic strip god damn that's lazy let, let me find it because it was obvious as fuck to me it was it's like he literally just drew one panel Hang on, just a second. This is going to piss me off right now. Oh, yeah, that. I've seen this. It's one panel. And it's not even drawn well. God, you know... He's a hack. This, this is someone who doesn't like the Muppets. There's no love for the Muppets here. You see what I mean? It's just yeah. it's one panel, and all he's doing is just changing the mouth flap. See. It's, it, it's not even a joke about the Muppets. I mean, I would have done... You know, let me tell you a story about an idea I had. So a while back, a friend of mine and I, uh, another comic book, another webcomic artist named uh, Stephanie, uh, not the same Stephanie who was on the show earlier, a different Stephanie, Stephanie Byers, 
we used to talk on AOL Instant Messenger every night, and we would just toss wacky ideas back and forth between each other. And we came up with so many funny ideas. And my favorite idea we ever came up with was to have a comic where it had like a Muppet character as part of the cast. And it would be like Greg the Bunny or like Alf or something where it would just be like this puppet that would exist in the setting. But it's funnier because it's a comic and yet <laughs> it's a cartoon, but he has all, all the limitations of a Jim Henson Muppet. You know, he's still the marionette wire on one hand and the other hands uh, pinned to his chest and you know, he, he could only make very limited expressions and, you know, he, his name was like Oswald or something. It was something very Muppety and, you know, he'd be like, hi there. And, and, uh, one, one of the jokes was, uh, he'd always be hanging out behind the couch and they'd be like, uh, Hey Oswald, why are you always hanging out behind the couch? And he'd be like, I like it here. And the other one, the other, the one that I came up with, which was a scream, he, you know, you know how the Muppets always smile, their, their mouths just open up wide and they'd be like, uh, hey, hey, Oswald, why, why is your mouth hanging open? And he's like, my mouth isn't hanging open. I'm smiling, you know, just whacked out shit. It, it was it was hilarious. God, this is like this is like the shittiest Muppet drawing I've ever seen. <laughs> God, now I have to go find a good Muppets uh comic which i know one exists well you know what you know i pointed out i I said very simply i said i said david Lewis was trying to apply legal contracts to to a movie universe that has standard rich and famous contracts yeah and someone's like someone's well because someone said i'm a hater for hating this strip and i'm like i I say that and they're like because they really had nothing after i said that here it is now this is someone who loves the Muppets. Oh wow! Yeah, it's almost, it's almost like Muppets all a Chuck Jones. Uh, yeah. Uh, this guy's name is Dave Alvarez. Uh, he used to have a comic on Drunk Duck way back in the day. Uh, nowadays he actually does Bugs Bunny comics. He uh, he does work for Warner and Disney. I mean, that first pose, it's like it's like it's almost like a Bugs in a frog suit. Yeah, Dave is awesome. Uh, you sh- you should actually look up his Bugs Bunny comics. They're really, really good. Excellent. Yeah. Jonathan Kent dies in a tornado because he does not want Clark to save him because he doesn't want Clark to expose himself. Okay. Yes, that really happens. I mean, they were like uh, about 50 yards away. Mm-hmm. And, and all he had to do was just run over there, grab him, run back to the underpass. Mm-hmm. There was a tornado coming. But he was about to when Jonathan Kent just holds his hand up and says, no, don't. I don't want you to expose yourself, and then and then you see the tornado come in, and then all the debris sweep in and like kill him horribly. Why? Because in in Man of Steel, 
Jonathan Kent, <clears throat> pardon me, my throat's still tickly, thinks that if Superman or Clark Kent, you know, ever exposes himself, that humanity would instantly reject him. Okay. To the point where, uh, where, where Clark was on a school bus that went over a bridge into the water, saves the bus, and two of his classmates see him do it. Jonathan Kent's like, you shouldn't have done that. You should have just let them all drown because now you expose yourself and two of your classmates now know you're not human. That's that's asinine. It's actually Jor-El that's more hopeful about humanity than, than, than Jonathan Kent. Because Jor-El says that, that humanity is going to be capable of such great things and and Jonathan Kent saying, saying, you know, don't trust humanity. They'll, you know, if you expose that you have superpowers, you know, they're going to reject you and chase you and hunt you. And, <clears throat> and uh, there were some things they did that was pretty good, but it's it was just really rough. It's a, uh, you know, that final scene in Avengers, you know, the battle for New York. Mm-hmm. You remember how how much collateral damage there was with, with that? Yeah. Yeah, compared to what they do with the Metropolis of this movie, that that's just that's just graffiti. Jeez. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. What'd they do? Level the whole city? Remember remember in the in Transformers uh, Dark of the Moon where they like destroy Chicago and it looks oh actually it looks like where it does now? I didn't see Dark of the Moon. Oh. Well, they destroy Chicago. Like oh. buildings are cut in half, like large buildings, like the the whatever tower, <laughs> the Willis Tower, is cut in half diagonally by by uh, by a shockwave. Wow! <clears throat> it, it, it's like that, but it's like all of Metropolis. Like like in the end, like the the area where the the giant ship, Kryptonian ship, was floating over that Zod was controlling. That is like a like a dust field. Once the battle's done, mm. like like no, there, there's no street, there's no concrete. It, it's a dust field, and I mean, how, how messed up is that? That's pretty messed up. And you know, there there has to be a happy medium between between returns and this. Because if Returns has the action really super sanitized or super make, make sure that no one gets hurt, and here we're, no, you're having like half a city fucking wiped out, and I mean wiped out, mm-hmm. not not like a little casual thing, I, I mean I mean like gravitational waves emanating from this Kryptonian ship that are throwing around parts of buildings and cars like Tinker Toys. Wow. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it, it just gets ridiculous. I mean, there was a there was a <coughs> there was a fight scene between Superman and uh, and two Kryptonian soldiers in 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 Smallville, Kansas, where they pretty much destroy the whole the whole town. I mean, it, it starts off where where basically they're threatening Martha Kent because mm-hmm. they're looking for like a piece of Kryptonian technology in the ship that Kal El came out of. And all of a sudden, Superman zooms in from the side, grabs Zod, and starts punching him over and over again, shouting, do not threaten my mother, which kind of feels weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he throws him into, into like, a train yard, and, and, and it, it's like, wow. And 
And all while this is happening, while Superman's like facing down against these two Kryptonians, you you have the military and A ten uh, attack fighters, you know, shooting them at the same time, doing shit all damage to them. You know, it's it's like it's it's just there to like show, oh, the military doesn't trust Superman yet, because even with you know, because it's fucking Superman. It's like really. But but <clears throat> there are some things I do like. I like the whole idea that uh, the the like the whole idea that Superman, you know, would you know Clark Kent, you know, is is like a wanderer wandering around trying to figure out what to do with his gifts and doing different odd jobs and stuff like that and helping people. I like that part of it. I like that idea mm-hmm. <clears throat> because that's an interesting idea. It's just there there was a scene that really bugged me during that whole sequence where Clark was like a waiter at a at like a truck stop in Canada. Because there was this asshole that was uh, that was like trying to hit on one of the waitresses, and Clark stopped him, and the guy like poured his drink on Clark's head and stuff like that. It's like, you know, Superman's supposed to be Superman. He's supposed to be like, whatever. It's like, it's like, <clears throat> because it's, it's it's meaningless to him because it's like he's Superman, right? Mm-hmm. But but no, what he does is is he he leaves the job when the when the trucker finally leaves the bar like an hour later. It turns out that Superman took his his eighteen wheeler that had a, like a freight of logs on it and like stood it up and shoved all the logs through through the truck. Okay. It felt very petty and not Superman. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Because <clears throat> the whole idea of Superman is yeah, a guy would do that to his face, but when the chips are down, even that life he will protect. Yeah. That's that's Superman. And and oh yeah, Superman kills Zod. Okay. Snaps his neck. Wow. The the way that they built the scene isn't too bad. Because what happens is Superman and Zod are fighting, and the fight scene is like shaky cam Dragon Ball Z bullshit. Yeah. Where they're flying really fast as the camera's like following them like from behind, and then, you know, know, it's like you have have Superman throw a punch, but Zod does the speed blur and then shows up behind them kind of thing. It's like, it, it really is like Dragon Ball Z. They're, they're totally rocking the dragon. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, I think I don't like it. What do you think? I don't know. And finally, they cra- crashed into Grand Central Station, or something like Grand Central Station, because it was Metropolis, not New York, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and Superman has Zod in a chokehold from behind. And he's like struggling just to hold him in place, and then Zod sees a bunch of humans, and Zod uses heat vision trying to fry the humans. And as the heat vision gets closer and closer to the humans, Superman has no choice but to snap his neck to to keep him from killing the the humans. And I'm kind of okay with how that scene's done, because by that point, there was no way to stop Zod. The Phantom Zone was gone. You know, there was only Zod left. All the other Kryptonians were put back in the in like a singularity phantom zone thing. Mm-hmm. So what could they do to Zod, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of okay with that. But the thing is, they, the next scene was immediately a, a comedy scene. So it's like, it, it doesn't seem right. There should have been a reflecting scene after that. <clears throat> and I know Fox News has complained about the Jesus parallels. Yeah. They're really not there this time. <clears throat> I mean, and by the way, those Jesus parallels aren't new to the recent versions of Superman. They've been there 
since Richard Donner in the seventies. Yeah, they have. I mean, I send them, I send them you, my only son. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, the funniest scene is super is basically Zod shows up and says it uh, broadcasts to the whole world. On your planet is is a, is one of my people, Kal-El, and I want him to turn himself in, or else I'll start destroying the planet. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where, where where Clark Kent shows up at a at a Catholic church and asks the Catholic priest for advice, and he actually says, "You know those spaceships? I'm the one they're looking for." <clears throat> and and the and the priest asks him, "Well, can you?" Can Zod be trusted? And, and and Clark says, "No, he cannot be trusted. He he." So, so the Catholic priest and and Clark says, "I don't think that humanity can be trusted either." And then and then the priest says, "Well, you have to make the first step. It has to be a leap of faith." So the whole reason that Superman started giving trust to humanity is because of a Catholic priest, mm-hmm. not not because of a moral message that Jonathan or Martha Kent gave him. And and I don't know how I feel about that. What do you think? I think that's kind of dumb. I I think it's 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 a much uh, much more uh, a much more wholesome way to have to have his morality connected to his parents, especially right. his father. Right. It's much more relatable. I, in fact, I really liked the the scene in the original film where, where uh, for that one moment he felt powerless because he couldn't save his father. Right. That, that's it's like the, the one point. the one problem is his powers couldn't solve. Right. Exactly. Versus here, where he could have easily saved Jonathan Kent, but he's like, no, there's stop. Let some the ridiculous, some ridiculous reason he couldn't. Right. Okay, I'm talking to a guy who's telling me that the only reason Clark was 33 in Man of Steel is for a Jesus parallel. I'm saying, no, it isn't. Because it's like that Fox News piece that says, if you look carefully at this one scene, you see Superman flying with his arms stretched out. It's like, there have been pictures of Superman flying with his arms stretched out since the 50s. Yeah. Stop it. This movie was not made with a Christian agenda. Stop it. It's kind of funny that Fox News would be the one complaining about it. But there is no Jesus in, in in this movie. I've seen this movie. And no, it's not. And also that you had this interesting idea where where all the Kryptonians are like wearing encounter suits. And uh, and the idea is is actually when Superman first fought Zod, he actually tore off the mask of the encounter suit. So Zod got like a huge dose of Earth's radiation and started having started having problems with super senses immediately getting overwhelmed by it and then all of a sudden superman had the advantage when earlier he didn't and, and i kind of like that idea you know what i mean yeah but then later zod takes off the helmet and and like focuses on his hand and is able to overcome the that problem like in two minutes when they showed in earlier flashbacks clark had that problem all all through like his teenage years and his mom had to like train him to f- focus on like one thing you know, there was a line in the trailer that was that was a whole part of this where where Clark says, you know, the world is too big, mm-hmm. and Martha says, well, then make it smaller, and 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 that that's where that whole thing came from, and it, and it was like I said, it was just really weird that they went this direction, and and uh, 
And it's it it just feels weird. It feels really, really weird. The more I think about the movie, the less I like it. Like I said, I like parts of it. I like the idea that Lois Lane knows early yeah, on. Always, yeah, that's always been my preferred way of doing it. Because otherwise, it just makes her. First look, of all, it makes her. It makes her look stupid. Well, well, the well, the thing is, Clark Kent isn't a reporter in this movie. Mm. He's still trying to figure out what he wants to be. Yeah. And uh, you have Lois. She. What happens is they find an ancient Kryptonian craft under the ice in 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 the Arctic. And she goes, she goes there to investigate because they, no one knows what it is, and everyone thinks it might be a like a Soviet-era submarine stuck under the ice. And Superman's posing to be uh, like someone helping out with the research station, you know, Clark Kent is, and he goes down it down to the down to the ship, and Lois follows him, and finds out that you know he he saves her life from one of the one of the maintenance robots for the ship. And she and and because she has no evidence, Perry won't print a piece about it. And by the way, Lawrence Fishburne is a very good Perry White. I'm just saying it right now. He he really is. Cowboy Curtis. Neil, you have to let it go. <laughs> That's just my favorite factoid about him is that he's a uh, cowboy Curtis. Well, anyways, anyway, so Lo- Lois starts searching around trying to find stories about this guy who has who who seems to be like a guardian angel, always helping people and disappearing. Mm-hmm. So she starts hunting back stories, and finally go, c- comes to the bus story about about the, the school bus in Smallville, and figures figures out it's Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. So it kind of works better that way. Okay. But, but there are good scenes, like the scene where 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 Superman is in the custody of the of the military. That's a good scene because, like I said, you know Superman's totally chill with the situation. He he's not even worried or anything. I mean, I mean Lois even points out points out. So you're wearing the handcuffs, huh? And he's like, well, it makes them feel more secure. <laughs> I mean, there was actually a point where when when you know the the general kept on posturing and Clark, and Superman's like okay you know what snap gets up and says says and tells tells the general his piece and says well I'll willingly surrender myself I'm just letting you know that what Zod really is. what i watched the other night what the amazing spider-man why <laughs> i don't know that movie sucks <laughs> okay okay was i right yeah i i feel a condition there no there's no condition it it was just uh congratulations whoever wrote this movie on making 
Flash Thompson the most uh, developed sympathetic, character, the most sympathetic character in the entire movie. Most developed character too. Yeah, because he had a nice little story arc. He was a bully at first, and then he got humiliated by Peter. Well, not even then... really humiliated. I mean, it's like that was the most non-violent stand to the bully scene in the history of anything. Yeah. And then he came around. And he was a nice guy when Peter's Peter's Uncle Ben died, and it was like, wow, I really like this character. He had a whole story arc. A, yeah, too bad Peter's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like I said in, in in Kitty Hawk's chat room, if a white if a skinny white guy was able to to do a three pointer slam dunk, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be calling his parents because he's in trouble. They would be trying to recruit him on the basketball team. Yeah, they'd be like, don't, don't worry about the backboard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but was this a was this trying to be a comedy? Because it seemed like there were attempts at humor, but it was falling flat. I, like, I think there were like, some attempts to like try to do what Raimi does, where Raimi does do comedy. Because it's like he came home after being bit by the spider, and he's like loading up on food, and there's like the whole thing about where he's uh, twitchy, like he's on drugs. Yeah, and and he says something about Uncle Ben not liking the uh, the meatloaf and. And I'm like, was was that supposed to be funny? Because it wasn't. Like this could have this could have been like a really good parody if they really wanted to. I think this was a parody. I think this was a parody of the Sam Raimi films. Because because the scene at the at the convenience store, it, it was like he, he he's so he's he's grumpy because he didn't get his his milk chocolate. His chocolate milk. Yeah. For two cents, his two cent chocolate milk. Yeah, he's grumpy and he lets the guy go. And then it not even they... lets the guy go. I mean, it's it's like the guy and him are like incidental. I mean, the guy yeah. never passes him. He never really had a good opportunity to grab him. That's true. He didn't. And then the the store clerk comes out. He's like he's like catch that guy. And it it could have been funnier. It could have been like like you know I would, but this I'm too busy I'm too busy chugging this, <laughs> this, chocolate, this, this delicious this, chocolate this, milk. <laughs> this ill-gotten chocolate milk. Mm, mm, well, the chocolatey. Is, well, the thing is, he says, go catch the guy. He's asking who he thinks is a normal guy to chase yeah. a guy who's 50 yards away by now. Yeah. He's like, hey, how'd you feel if you were walking down the street and someone grabs you and says, hey, chase that guy. He stole from me. Yeah. I have no way of knowing that you're a superhero. Yes. <laughs> and, and then Uncle Ben goes, I'm going to go for the gun. Now, that part... I- I think just because it's spur of the moment, I could almost buy it, but it's just... I think he had a knob flashback. Probably. I mean, no, that's, that's, that's what I'm going with. He had a knob flashback. <laughs> I would at least have tried to kick it. Like, kick it away from the guy's hand. Yeah. Because he, he went to grab it, and that's where his problem was. He, I'm like, oh, Uncle Ben, fatal mistake. Yeah, you asked for it. And what, what, about, the, what about the torture scene? The torture Oh, the... Where he's hitting the the crook with the uh, with the web slinger. Yeah, where he's torturing the the, the carjacker. That's very un Spider Man like. I mean, it, because it goes on for a while. It does. It, it's it's it gets uncomfortable. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, he's it, it, and plus the whole thing where it's like the ripping off Batman Begins by having him piecemeal the costume together and stuff like that. Yeah. Versus what Raimi does is like, oh, by the way, here's the costume. 
And this <laughs> this is like well after Uncle Ben had died, so it's like he learned nothing. Yeah. Like he's being petty and 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 vengeful, and it's like this is not what Peter Parker learned from that incident. Right. And and also the part where where Captain Stacy is like saying, well maybe we maybe we had a beat on that uh, carjacker, we're gonna fall into the chop shop. It's like. No, you didn't. You you're you're making shit up, trying to stand, trying to to tell off the little punk who's interested in your daughter. Mm-hmm. It's it, and someone tried to argue that 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 Captain Stacy's words hit true to Peter. I'm like, no, he was making shit up, trying to trying to tell off the little punk interest in his daughter. Mm-hmm. And then there was the period joke. Oh yeah, more uncomfortable than the masturbation joke in Transformers. Because it didn't even have to be there. I mean, it was... I mean, compare the two. Which one made you feel like, okay, maybe I should fast forward? Yeah, they went there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And, and what, what, what I love is, is you know, all the crane operators. That was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, I, I I know it it was worse than the bridge scene, worse than the train scene. I mean, when Sam Raimi does the idolized New York standing up to the supervillain, it, it it seems a little like a little corny, but at the same time it's like okay, yeah, 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 I get I get it. But here it's like okay, there's a citywide evacuation of a bioweapon being released, and you're gonna have a lot of crane operators be like, okay, we're gonna stick around and swing all these cranes to line up. It's, it's oh, just, did as, you, a, as a big epic moment, it was just it just kind of fell flat because all he had to do, I know it was like a long way, but it's like the big epic moment is that Spider-Man has to get away, get his way across town, and that was it. <laughs> and it was it was right up there with with Megan Fox and the tow truck and Bumblebee. <laughs> it just it, roll my eyes moments. <laughs> but what about the? Uh... What I love is, you know, you know, the lizard infects all these SWAT officers with, with, with his chemical weapon. Yeah. And what happens again? They just sit against the wall waiting for the plot to cure them. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, I'm just gonna sit against the. I'm a lizard guy now. You know what? This might wear off in a couple minutes. Oh wait, it does. Yeah. And Gwen Stacy was able to make a cure from nothing. Yeah. From not knowing what the original formula was, like instantly. Yeah, that was just done so they would have a clock, so it, so that that swing across town to be more dramatic. <laughs> and then and then and then Peter switches out the formula to the real boy ending button. Yeah. And 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 what I love is when Captain Stacy with the shotgun says, "Don't don't worry, I got this." It's like yeah. you, you know that's when he's about to die. Yeah. Don't worry, I got this. Cha-ching is like, yeah, you're about to die. Yeah, but I there mean, were so many stupid things they did in the movie. Like, they 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 seem to answer questions that nobody asked, and in the process, uh, make more questions. Make, it made more questions, such as his hands sticking to the girl's clothes. I'm like, oh yeah, that that would make sense. If he if he sticks to the walls, then he must stick to everything else. Then I'm like, wait a minute, that's going to be pretty inconvenient in about five minutes when he stops sticking to things. Right. The same thing with him destroying everything when he touches it, like he broke the handle off the faucet. Right. I'm like, yeah, in five minutes he's going to stop destroying things, and it's going to be like, okay, why is he suddenly able to control that now? Right. Because it's like, 
because he's destroying things like he's putting his hand through like wet tissue paper. Right. In, and, in, the, in, in the scene in the subway where he's pretty much beating up normal New York citizens mm-hmm. just for laughs. Yeah. Because that's what that scene is. It's not even. It's not even about anything like really epic or cool. It's about the fact that uh, oh, he can't control his powers. Ha ha ha. Yeah. I mean, I I don't. It's like here are like five guys need to go to the emergency room right now. But it was just fine. Yeah. Just for laughs. Like I like I said when I first show up at StripCon. And I started setting up my, my booth with my friend Peter. I said, hey, I started talking. Fest recognized my voice. I said, I know that voice. You're wrong about Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know if any sane person would have wrestled for that gun. No, I would have run in the opposite direction. <laughs> I would have pressed myself against the wall and held my hands up like, hey, dude, don't want any trouble. Yeah. Just let him run because he, he, yeah. he's not he's not wanting anything else. He just wants to run. Yeah. <laughs> what about the whole uh, – what, what else was bad about that movie? I mean, what 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 did, what did uh, Sally Field do again? I don't know. It's like, it, at times I'm like, wait, does she know? Does she not know? It, it's like Peter kept coming home every night with like a with like a bloody bruised up face, and it's like at some point she she has to go, you're Spider Man, but she never does that. It's like, god damn it! All she keeps on I, saying is, where have you been? Yeah, I mean, I know, I don't think Tobey Maguire ever showed up with like his face all fucked up and in, in the, in the other movies. So it's like, it's like they, they tried to fill in a blank here, but they just ended up making more questions. Right. It's like, how, how could Aunt may be this stupid? And then they borrow one third of the plot from the chugs. Yeah. And he, and what was really funny is when Peter watched the CG lizards crawl into the sewer, it's like, Oh, that's where the lizard is. Yeah. Chud. Yeah. You know that movie, don't you? I know of it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> You're a Ben Heckendorn fan and you've never seen the Chud? I've never seen Chud. Oh. He would be ashamed. One of these days. Pow? No, I'll see the movie. Okay. So so what else do you have for Amazing Spider-Man in your... It... Okay, it wasn't the longest epic-length epic movie ever, but it just... At... at Two hours and twenty minutes. It just seemed to go on. Well, what about that image that Pablo did of, uh, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you have to give up the thing you need, you want the most. Yeah. And the best promises are the one you break. <laughs> it's like it's the cop's dying wish. For the love of God, don't include his daughter in this weird shit of monsters and shit. Yeah, and then. Uh, at that point, when he took her back at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's dead in the next movie. Yeah. She is so dead. Worm food. What's really sad is how people just keep on talking about how this movie is actually good. It's it's not, though. It's like the lizard. I mean, I, mean, I know it's a classic Spider-Man villain, but it really didn't. That villain didn't carry the film at all. Well, like I said... The, like a good quarter of that film was just Chud. Yeah. It was Chud with the British accent. Yes. Oh, the the face of of the lizard. Uh-huh. It it looks it looks like the Goombas from the Super Mario movie. I know. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god, it's a Goomba." In, in the terrible in the terrible scene where where where, where 
Or Stan Lee's playing a record. Yeah. Played for laughs. Yeah. And a table also almost smacks him in the head and sp- and uh, Spider-Man catches it with his web and stops it. Yeah. Oh, did you notice that he doesn't really make the webs? He he stole the webs from Oscorp. Yeah. I mean, stole the webs? Stole? Yeah, he totally stole them. You know, I prefer the other... The Sam Raimi yeah, ones? Yeah, the Sam Raimi one. He didn't really have to think about it after a while. Whereas this, they had to come up with a whole contrived explanation for something that was handled very well in the Raimi movies. Yeah. Because because Raimi respected the material more than, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, it was just kind of uh, surfing through the on-demand selection. I'm like, like, I wonder what's on this month, and then that movie showed up. I was like, oh boy. Why, Neil? I warned you. <laughs> I know you warned, me, but it was it's free, so I was like, okay, I'll I'll see what this is all about. And two and a half hours later, I was like, that movie sucked. <laughs> What a steaming turd. <laughs> I told you it was. Didn't I? Yeah. It was terrible. And like I said, because the directors were talking shit about Raimi the whole time they were making it. Yeah. They were. And that's the, that's, that's the part that like gets me seemed like, yeah, now we saw what you shot. It was a piece of shit. Yeah. You got nothing on Raimi. I mean, I mean, you, like you said, you know, Flash Thompson had more development than Peter did. Yeah. Because Peter started out as, as a, as an athletic, popular, trendy, quote unquote, nerd Mm -hmm. with stalker like obsessions for Gwen. Yeah. He has your picture on a computer. And she's like, oh, you do? That's so cute. <laughs> and I'm like, no. No. <laughs> I know. It's just it's just a mess. And, you know, <clears throat> Martin Sheen was totally wrong for Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other guy was much better. I know. And, uh, and I, I, like how, I like how in the first movie, the wasn't it? The line with great power comes great responsibility. It was like literally the last thing he said to Peter. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a good touch. Versus here, he's like, where he doesn't say those words. Yeah, he doesn't ever say them. And and what I love is he was wandering New York City in the middle of the night, randomly looking for Peter. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't the mugger, it was gonna be something. Yeah. I mean, it's just. <sighs> I just want a good movie, damn it. And he never did catch catch the mugger, did he? No. The, the, no, he didn't. The whole point of it is he's supposed to catch the mugger and then realize... That he had the power to stop him all along. Yeah, and, and realize, wow, I fucked up. Yeah. Versus whereas, this... whereas here, he, he sees it happen from from yards away that he couldn't have he couldn't have possibly stopped it if he tried. Right. And then he goes all Batman Begins. Yeah. Piecing the costume together. It was. It was Spider-Man Begins. I know. It was It was pathetic. There is so <laughs> much of Batman Begins to rip off here. 
That means so much of it. So, you know, they they could they could surprise the world and just release Spider-Man Four, and I would be I would be perfectly fine. Just have with that. Toby I'd, back. Just have Toby back. No explanation. Just oh, here's the fourth Spider-Man movie. That other one. That was a mistake. Yeah, just have just have Andrew Garfield as as his uh, as a waiter. Yeah. Because he really does amount to nothing. Yeah. And they made a. And he does the Anakin smile. Oh, he God. smiles. He smiles like 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 uh, God, what's his name? Christian. Hayden Christensen. That, yeah, Hayden Christensen. Yeah, like like anytime he he does like that big goofy smile, just pause it. Put in episode two, and I think it's the scene where they're in the grass. He says something like, "I'm much too frightened to, to tease a senator." Then pause that. You'll see it's the same smile. Yeah, the the problem the big problem is is there are certain scenes that are crucial to the growth of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and some of them are new to the mythos. Some of them aren't. Like, mm-hmm. you know, first and foremost is the death has to happen. The death of Uncle Ben has to happen in a very specific order. I mean, the robber has to like literally pass Peter. Yeah, I mean it, it has to be to a point where a minimal amount of effort on his part, powers no powers could have stopped the guy. And and the whole the whole point is is if Uncle Ben is confronted by the robber, you know, every other time it's done he tries to stop the robber using wisdom. It's not about you know trying to wrestle a gun from him. He's he's trying to like talk sense into him. That that's the whole point of that scene is supposed to be. And then after that, you know, is basically when, you know, Uncle Ben's killed, mm-hmm. Spider-Man goes after the robber, and right after he defeats the robbers when he realizes that he could have stopped the whole thing from happening. Yeah. That's how the sequence of events as it should be, because that's when, because because Spider-Man's a story of, of a guy who, who, who didn't get it right and is trying to atone for that for the rest of his life. Yeah. And that's the story of Spider-Man, but 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 there's other sequences of events. You know, the death is a it has to be done that way. You know, everyone else doesn't mess with the death except for this guy, and he got completely wrong. Yeah. But the the whole point of the Flash of Flash Thompson is is he's the guy who tormented Peter for years, and the the first time that Peter like indulges in his powers is when he beats up Flash Thompson. Yeah. And and that's a very important part of the mythos as well because that's when he realizes, okay, I have the power to do this now, but does it make me better? Because actually Ultimate Spider-Man did a very funny take on that where Flash Thompson threw a punch at Peter. And all Peter did was hold his hand out and catch the fist. And Flash like broke a bone in his fist doing that. Wow! And then Flash's parents sued Uncle Ben and Aunt May, and and after that, Flash lost like a lot of credit in school because because oh, be careful! He'll throw a punch at you, break his fist, and his parents will sue you. <laughs> I mean, everyone started like ragging on Flash about that. <laughs> and Peter points out, I didn't even hit him. All I did was catch his fist with yeah. my hand. And it broke in my hand. What did I do wrong? Nothing. Like I said, that that's that's where it goes. Wow. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I got to go. Talk okay. to you tomorrow. All righty. All right. Good night. All right.